Welcome to Postcards from Palisade, the podcast about the people and places that make this slice of Western Colorado wonderful. I'm Lisa McNamara. What's a mafia princess doing running a winery in Western Colorado? The name might have started as an inside joke between friends, but the wine is serious business. Hillary Eels spent six years at Meadery of the Rockies, Talon Winery, and St. Catherine's Cellars before taking the leap and buying a winery and vineyard that she could make her own, alongside her husband, Casey. Casey takes care of the grapes while working full-time. Hillary takes care of the winemaking and tasting room, and they both take care of a couple of sweet kids, an adorable dog, a few sheep, and a bunch of chickens. Hillary and I tasted some of their Beaujolais Nouveau-style Colorado Nuovo in their cozy tasting room while we chatted about her path to the Grand Valley, how she went from EMT to winemaker, the wine she is most excited about making, why biodynamic principles are a no-brainer when it comes to vineyard management, and about building an intentional community, making your own family away from family. And of course, we got into some of those stories that led to her nickname. All that and more on today's Postcard from Palisade. Also, I had the cutest sound checkers on this episode. I love everybody and I love Lucy. Oh, you love Lucy. You're silly. No, I'm Lisa. Lisa, Lucy, Tucci. Oh That's our sheep no. in the yard right now because oh. we need to move their fence. We have like, so they, we usually run them in the vineyard, but we need to move uh-huh. the fence out there. So we usually move them up here and then move the fence and then move them back. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me. I love to just start by having people introduce themselves and what you do and um, just like any little bit of background you want to share about yourself. Okay. Yep. So I'm uh, Hillary Eels. I'm part owner and winemaker for Mafia Princess Wines. And my husband, Casey's my partner, and he's still nursing full-time, but he also manages the vineyard full-time. So life is a little hectic. And then add in two kids that are four and six, and that adds to that. And some sheep. And some sheep. Looks like. And some chickens. And of course, a dog and a cat and a whole bunch of vines. Yeah. So how did you get into owning a winery and making wine? Uh, so I got into wine via Craigslist. So we moved here in 2014. So it's been nine years. I was an EMT before. So we moved up here and I was going to try to get a job on the ambulance again. And then... There wasn't anything available, so applied for 911 dispatch, went through the whole like hiring process, which was like five hours of testing, a panel interview, and an interview with a psychiatrist, and then didn't get the job. And by that point, they had a position on the ambulance open, and so I was like, oh, can I just transfer my application? And they're like, no, you can't apply for another public service position for a year. What? And I guess it's just like government, because it's all city run. And so I was like, okay, so I'll just find something for a year and then go back to working on the ambulance. And so applied for a bunch of stuff and then saw a position for cellar and grounds, like entry level at Meteor of the Rockies in Palisade. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of cool. Like we had, we kept bees back in Texas before we moved. 
planned on keeping bees again here. So I was like, well, I'll work there for a while. I'll learn a little bit. Maybe I'll learn enough to be able to make my, my own honey wine someday. And that'll be that. And then started working there and pretty soon realized there's opportunity to move up into winemaking without having to go back to school, which was a big deal for me because I'm not super good at school. I'm very good at hands-on stuff. And to be able to make as much, if not more, than you do on an ambulance because when you're an EMT, you make like squat on an ambulance. And I decided since Casey's a nurse that it would be nice to not both be in stressful jobs <laughs> with crazy schedules. And so decided to stay there and just kind of see what happened. It was really a good experience because me or the Roxy is part of Talon and St. Catherine Cellars. And so I made the wine for all three. And I um, worked up to head winemaker position. And so in six years, I think I figured, because we could ferment all year round because of doing the honey and the fruit. Um, so in the six years, I think I did about 150 fermentations. Wow. Which is a lot. That's a lot. And, um, and then doing honey wines and fruit wines, they both do weird things that grape wines don't. And no one has put a whole lot of money into like research or anything because there's just not a lot of it out there. And so it was a lot of problem solving and like talking to the lab and being like, hey, this weird thing happened and what do you think it is? And trying to figure out solutions, uh, which was really fun. But then after like six years, my husband, he had planned on going back to school to be a nurse anesthetist. He was putting in applications, had an interview. The school that he really wanted to go to was in uh, Portland. And this was like 2020 that he really started doing applications and stuff, 2019, 2020. And so of course Portland was like burning itself to the ground at that time. So he's like, well, there goes the top school that I really wanted to go to. And then we just started talking you know, especially as COVID hit and work became even more stress and life and everything just became more stressful. And he was second guessing staying in medicine anyways. And so it's like, all right, like if you're not gonna go back to school for this, like we gotta figure out something else because he's just ready for something different. And uh, instead of, you know, we can either invest in schooling of a different kind or we could find something else to invest in. But the idea was, is when he went to school, I would quit and be home with the kids. And so it's like, I still want to make that transition and figure out how to make it work. So I ended up quitting in January of 21 to be home with the kids. And so I had about a year and we still hadn't decided what we were doing with ourselves. And I was doing consulting, started a consulting business and so because of that, I was at Vinco, the wine and grape mm-hmm. symposium that Grand Junction does every year in January. And I had a booth there and I ran in to Brett Neal, who used to own this place. And he owns Stony Mesa Winery in Cedar Ridge. And so I was chatting with him because I've known him for years and just asked, you know, how things were going, what was new, because I hadn't seen him since I'd quit the winery. And so he told me that he was thinking about selling his place in Grand Junction. And so I was like, huh, I, was like, I didn't know you had a place in Grand Junction. So tell me about it. So he tells me it's seven and a half acres, has tasting room, production area, a two bedroom apartment. And I was like, huh, I was like, if you're thinking about selling, we're thinking about buying. And then I went home to Casey and I was like, so I told someone we were going to buy their vineyard. 
And we're gonna go look at it tomorrow. <laughs> Hope that's cool with you. And you know, it was like hindsight, like months later that I was telling someone this story. And I was like, he could have just said I was being crazy and not gone. I'm really kind of lucky that he was game to like even come and look at the place. <laughs> yeah. But we came and we looked at it and just fell in love with it. I feel like it's kind of this hidden gem of a location. Yeah. It's off the beaten path, but you can see Mount Garfield, the monument, the mesa. I mean, it's, it's just so peaceful. And and so we're like, well, let's, let's just see if we can figure out how to make it work. Because if we can figure out the finances on a nursing salary, then we should do it. And so it took us about five months to figure out financing. It was definitely a struggle. And it was, there was times that I was like, are we making the right choice? This is, this is a huge leap. You know, what if we try it and totally fail? Like all those what ifs, you know? And then Casey came home from work one day and he came in and it was like a really bad day at work and he's like you know what i'm just so tired of being cussed at and yelled at and pissed on and shit on and thrown up on he's like i'm just ready to work with vines that just sit there in our vines it's like okay we're making the right decision like we'll just keep pressing forward through like all the mess and like even the week of closing was probably the most stressful week of my life like as we like tied up loose ends made sure we had the cash for the down payment and our we worked with an insurance broker to get insurance for the place they were rejected from like 15 different places because we were a new business and new farmers and no one wanted to take a chance hmm. and so we got insurance 30 minutes before our closing time and it's like oh it's like so crazy yeah and then of course You've probably bought a house, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's so weird. You like go and you sign your name a million times and then yeah. it's like, all right, you own a home. Here you go. Really? This is yours you, now. You sure? <laughs> yeah. And then nowadays, like half the time you don't even get keys when you close. Mm-hmm. Like it's just this whole weird thing. But yeah, so we closed and then we came out with, with the Neils to the property and opened some wine on the patio. Mm-hmm. It was this like really surreal feeling. Oh, that's sweet, though. So it's sort of like a handover, almost. Yeah. Like. And the the Neils were really great. Like, they, they included almost all the farm equipment we needed, basically all of it. A lot of wine equipment that he wasn't using anymore. So it made it that much more feasible that we were able to roll those equipment costs into the purchase price. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, so it was, it was really great. Well, so what do we have in our glass here? Like, what grapes do you grow what kind of wines are you making yeah. what do we have here uh so this mm-hmm. wine since you said you like red it's the only mm-hmm. red i have right now released this is our colorado nuovo mm-hmm. so <laughs> so we did this in a beaujolais <laughs> nouveau style it was um, a very aggressive swirl it, for people listening yes <laughs> these glasses i love them mm-hmm. but they're not the easiest to swirl it does i'm an aggressive swirler Ooh, that's awesome I just love the tradition around Beaujolais. Mm-hmm. You know, Beaujolais is a region in France where mm-hmm. we named ours Colorado. And then Nuovo means mm-hmm. new in Italian. The tradition, though, for the French is that you harvest, ferment, bottle, and release by the third Thursday of November, mm-hmm. which happens to be Thanksgiving for us, which is kind of awesome. 
they do a whole race from the wineries to the stores, which I think is cool. And then it's supposed to be like a celebration of end of harvest, beginning of a new year. And so I just love like that whole concept and just the whole yes. concept of having an easy drinking, fun red wine. It's mm-hmm. like red wines can take themselves too seriously sometimes. And so having something yeah. a little lighter and just fun. And then this yeah. one is a blend of Crimson Cabernet mm. and Merlot. Beaujolais Nouveau is, is so much fun. And that would be if we could get more producers around here or more uh, wine stores to actually mm-hmm. like stock more varieties, that would be really fun. Because it's always really fun to just get different, you know, more than just the George Buff or, you know, the one that you can get everywhere. Like get a bunch of different ones to try side by side and yeah. see the variations and yeah. you know, well, and listen to it. I'm excited because the Full Monty liquors that used to be college liquors, they're mm-hmm. going to do a Beaujolais release this year awesome. and they're going to feature this, our new wine that we just started. We started fermentation on September 30th, which was actually the same time we started it last year, which is kind of fun. I thought it would be later this year because harvest started later this year. Mm-hmm. It's a weird year. So, but he, he said the same thing. He's like, more people should be doing Beaujolais. I'm going to try to like promote it more. And then I had a customer who was talking about how like France is the whole race or I was telling him about that. And he's like, oh, you guys should get other wineries to do Beaujolais and then do like a bike race. I was like, that'd be so much fun. I was like, but it's November. Like it could be gorgeous or it could be like terrible. terrible." Yeah. Yeah, But it would always be an adventure. Either mountain bikes or road bikes then. Yeah, that's true. I'm totally in. Yeah. Well, maybe I should talk like, to some wineries. sounds amazing. <laughs> try, to, try to get it rolling for next year. It's yeah. late this year. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. If I could help. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Totally in. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, maybe cool. we should make it happen. Yeah, okay. I got sidetracked. I'm a wuss when it comes to weather and like biking mm-hmm. in the cold. Like my rule of thumb is it has to be at least 45 and sunny. So Yeah. 45 is kind of our cutoff too. Yeah. Sunny, you know, either way, but definitely warmer than 45. Yeah. Because below that, your hands get too cold. No matter how many gloves you're wearing. I agree. Yeah, I'm I'm solar powered, so it has to mm-hmm. be sunny if it's going to be cold. Awesome. I love it. Okay, well, I got sidetracked though. So, like, what other kind of grapes do you grow and what ones are going to make this year? Yeah, so we have uh, Muscat Canelli, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, a little bit of Gewürztraminer, and Riesling. I think that's all of it and then we we planted crimson cabernet and cab franc this year and we'll do some more planting next year mm. but i'm super excited this year because we have more than double the crop than we had last year and a lot of that is last year the vines were still recovering from mm-hmm. the freeze in 2020 just had we had more time to tend to the vineyard than brett did because this was low on his priority list because mm-hmm. he has 30 acres up in cedar ridge like oh, wow. he was already spread real thin and so we, we do, we've got more than double the crop, which is awesome. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm gonna put everything, like if I have tank space, but we're gonna make it work. <laughs> but it's cool because, so this year, the majority of our vineyard is our Riesling, or the largest percentage is in Riesling. And our Riesling was actually planted in 1982. So it's mm-hmm. one of the oldest vineyards still in production in Colorado, which I think is really oh, wow. cool. That is really cool. I mean, the vines are starting to show their age yeah. a little bit. We put, we have a 10-year replanting plan. Mm-hmm. But because the majority of it is Riesling, then I'm going to split the Riesling this year, and I'm going to 
make a sparkling Riesling, which I'm super excited about. And I still haven't figured out exactly what method. I would love to actually take the sparkling. I would love to take half of it and do a pet nat Mm -hmm. and then take the other half and do like a traditional. So you could like have side by side, like from the same tank and everything. Because I think that'd be super cool. That really really depends on my glass company getting me glass on time. Because... They've not emailed me back. Uh, so you bottle age it then? Or? So for pet gnats, the difference between like bottle pets, fermented. yeah, pet gnats and champagnes is for a pet gnat, you towards the end of primary fermentation, you go ahead and bottle it and let mm-hmm. it finish in bottle, mm-hmm. and then for champagne, you finish primary and then you bottle it and you dose it with more yeast and sugar, mm-hmm. and then most of the time with champagne, you also age it for one to three years. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm patient enough for that or have enough room, but we'll see. Later we'll vintages. Yeah. I was yeah. like, you first is just making the wine and then I'll figure it out. So and it sounds like you're doing some more experimental stuff and like some interesting things that other people aren't necessarily doing. doing yeah. Longer. Yeah. The other thing um, that we have, we have, we did actually just bottle our other 2022 red, which we're calling the Tommy Gunner. I just haven't, I don't have labels yet, so I haven't released it. But I'm excited. Like this one, we it's a blend of Suzao and Cabernet Sauvignon. Hmm. And then I have these flex cube tanks that they're a poly tank, but the company that makes them patented this polymer that breathes like a barrel. So you can mimic like aging and... That's cool. Yeah. And it's super cool, yeah. especially for the Grand Valley. It is so freaking dry yeah. here that you can't store barrels dry. You can't... There's just so many issues. You get so much evaporation. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's a really like smart way to go. You save a lot of water and space and mm-hmm. um, less chance of bacteria growing in it mm-hmm. than you do with wood. Yeah, and so what I did with this blend is I actually fermented in the tank with oak staves. So I could like mm-hmm. mimic a barrel fermentation, but with mm-hmm. a red wine, which you actually can't barrel ferment a red wine because of the skins and seeds like you would oh. never get it out uh-huh. but since it's a tank I mean it was a pain to get it out but I was able to do it and we also left it on the skins we didn't press for 10 months wow so normally you press like at the end of fermentation or mm-hmm. maybe two weeks afterwards uh we didn't press for 10 months oh wow I found doing that gives this really big mouthfeel without like being super harsh tannic. A lot of Colorado wines do tend to be really acidic up front, especially if they're young, really acidic up front, kind of a mid palate gap, and then a lot of tannin on the finish. Mm -hmm. And I found doing this method really fills in a lot of that mid palate Mm -hmm. and kind of rounds out the tannins and stuff. So it's it's really cool. So I think we'll probably do that with all of our reds. And this year we actually have enough Merlot to do a straight Mm -hmm. red Merlot, which is exciting. Last year we just did a dry rosé of Merlot because that was, and then the Colorado Nuovo. Mm-hmm. But we have way more this year, and nice. it's like almost like I don't know what to do with all my Merlot right now. Awesome, I love Merlot. But yeah, it sounds like you're just you're kind of flexible based on what you have, and that's interesting. Just to kind of say like, okay, here's what I have. What am I gonna do with it? And just always kind of coming up with new, new solutions or new ideas for what you have. I think it's fun too because we're we're small enough and we're not distributing. I mean, we'll probably eventually distribute and mm-hmm. have a few mainstays. Like we'll always do a new ovo. We'll 
probably always do like a dry rosé of Merlot and a Riesling. Mm -hmm. But then like, I just want to kind of do whatever, you know, depending on growing season, what we, what we have in stock, what we, I don't know, get a wild hair and decide to do something crazy. I don't know. We'll see. Well, okay. So I know when you're naming your business, there's so much thought that goes into it. Like Mm -hmm. I've named a lot of things and you just think and think and think about like, what's the best name? So I'm just so curious about, you know, I'm sure everybody asked, but what's a mafia princess doing in the Grand Valley? So much of the Wild West is like cowboys and Native Americans and prospectors Mm -hmm. and miners and like probably people running away from the mafia. Like honestly, there are probably a lot of people who are just like, I got to go west to escape what's happening in my life. But so, yeah. So how did you come up with a name and uh, why did you decide to bring that different lore to the west? My great grandparents immigrated from Italy and every time we go back to New York to visit You'd always hear all these crazy mafia Mm -hmm. stories. One time I was driving around with my aunt and my grandma who still lived there and they were talking about how like the Russian mafia had moved in and how terrible it was because they didn't have the same ethics as the Italian mafia and it was causing all kinds of problems. And I was like 16-ish at this point, so really understood all the ramifications of those other stories I'd heard over Mm -hmm. the years. And so I was like, wait, those stories were true. My grandma's like, oh yeah. And then I heard more stories. And so I told a friend and she nicknamed me Mafia Princess. And so just, and it kind of stuck. And so when we were starting the winery and even before that, we had kicked around, if we ever started a winery, like what would we name it? And we kicked around some ideas and it was actually Casey who was like, well, it's obvious. You just name it Mafia Princess. It's like, really? Like, are you sure? And then as we actually started a winery, it's like, all right, I guess we'll go with that. And then it's actually been really fun because as I share stories, I get other people's stories. Mm -hmm. Our Merlot Rosé that we have, I named it Wedding Day Mm Rosé. And I named it that to share the story of how my grandparents, great-grandparents got married because they actually had an arranged marriage after immigrating. So 1920s New York, they had an arranged marriage and supposedly how it happened is the families arranged it and my grandma Rose got all dressed up and my grandfather Joseph had the chance to look at her and decide if he really wanted to marry her. Like just look at her. Like, yes. Don't talk to her, just look at her. Yes. <laughs> so, like... And so I guess he liked what he saw and they oh, they got married and had five kids and stayed married for 60 some years till he passed away. So it worked. I mean, it's a family tradition I'm glad to not carry on. Like, can't, I can't imagine. But um, but yeah, and then I, I've, so I've told customers that. And then I've had lots of them be like, oh yeah, like my grandparents or great-grandparents immigrated and several of them have had arranged marriages either before immigrating or after immigrating. And mm-hmm. one customer was telling me that that was really common then around immigration just because of financial reasons and mm-hmm. making sure if you pull your money together, you're more likely to succeed and be able mm-hmm. to make it. And and then hearing, you know, other people's stories has been really fun. And also just digging into my own family history. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I actually knew both my great grandparents, which I feel very fortunate because mm-hmm. most people didn't. Digging into and really thinking about the timeline of everything, of all those stories I heard, you know, because it's like if I... I'm pretty sure my grandma said that 
my great grandmother rose like 16 when she got married which isn't uncommon for that time yeah, frame back then but then the the other story that i love is that before she got married she had a mafia don who was interested in marrying her and her family didn't want her to marry him and so they hit her in the mountains of new york for like nine months oh my god and so then i'm doing math and i'm like wait like if she got married at 16 and so she, she had a mafia don interested for at least nine months before that she's probably like 14 15 oh gosh and then yeah. i'm like well maybe that's why they actually did the arranged marriage just mm-hmm. to make sure like she's off the market get her married like <laughs> wow so one of the things you say on your website is that you want to like reclaim the idea of family and loyalty and excellence and you know all those kind of things mm-hmm. that were maybe like a little twisted by that concept of family. So I thought that was really interesting. That was one of the things when we we bought this place and we were um, really talking about it and my husband and I are, are both Christians and so we were praying about it and praying about like whether we should do this and what this would look like and decided you know it wasn't just about building a business and a winery and you know those things are great but it's building community and providing a place that people can go and have some peace just a little haven from the craziness of the world and building that sense of community and family and i think especially after covid i am an introvert by nature and was going crazy during covid (laughs) like and realized how important community is And how little community people have mm-hmm. these days. Especially when you take work away. A lot of times that's the only community people have yeah. is at work. It's like we really want to build that community, that family. You know, that, that family that's not blood. Neither of us have family here. Mm-hmm. Nowhere close to here. And so we've really had to build that community. And it's not easy to do. And so being able to provide a space for people to do that, I think, is also important. For Wine Fest, we did this big Italian family-style dinner. And we set up on our patio just, like, one long table. And we had 28 people. And I made, like, a bunch of family recipes. And, like, it was super fun. And so many people afterwards are like, we've either said, they never experienced something like that. Mm-hmm. Or there was a lady who she told me after the dinner, she's like, you know, I come from a Mexican family and this is what Thanksgiving looked like every year and just brought back memories from that. Mm-hmm. One guy that said he was stationed in Russia and they would always do like a big meal for Thanksgiving with all the other guys and that sense of camaraderie and family, like away from family. And he said like he hadn't experienced anything like that since being in Russia. And I was like, that's so, I mean, it's so sad on one side. And then I'm like, like, I'm so glad you could find that here. You know, it's like. You can provide that same feeling. That's really cool. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, I think it's just so necessary. A lot of people don't get that from their own family. I had a very similar experience during COVID. I always thought I was an introvert and totally too focused on my job to the exclusion of anything else. And yeah, that made me just realize that that was not important at all. And the most important thing was having a community that made me feel happy and like I could give back to other people and help people and you know, just have fun together. That was a lot of the reason I wanna start the podcast is like, well, let's get people meeting their neighbors and hearing from other people in the community that mm. they haven't maybe heard from, finding out what's going on and then finding out about these places that there are that, that they might yeah. fit with. This might be exactly what they're looking for. So I totally hear you there. And that's, that's really cool to have the opportunity. And then 
to get that feedback from people that you're having the impact that you wanted to have. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was it was a really cool experience. I like one point while we were serving the dinner, it was paused for a second while I'm like going crazy in the kitchen. Hearing people just constant chatter and laughter and it's like, okay, this is well worth the effort and you know, and it was stressful because it was the first one. But yeah. It was it was so rewarding. Are you doing any kind of regular events or anything like throughout the season? I know we're at the end of the season here, but... Yeah, so during the season, we did uh, Sunset Sips, where we stayed open until a little after sunset, because the sunsets from our patio are just amazing. And we'd get a food truck out. So we do that the last Friday of every month. And we'll do that again next year, and then we might try to do it twice a month. We'll see. It's It's so hard when you're starting a business what works? What do people want? Like we yeah. found out July is a terrible month to do something outside. No one came because it was so blazing yeah. hot. Right. Are you going to do any more dinners like that or you think maybe just around Wine Fest? Uh, we're actually thinking about doing one in the spring as well. Mm-hmm. And then so we'll do the annual one around Wine Fest and then do one in the spring probably in May. I don't really know. I got to figure that out. And then <laughs> we did our grand opening. Let me think when it was. It was... Um, May 22nd and so we'll probably do an anniversary uh-huh. thing then and it's yeah. actually kind of cool because we closed May 25th so it's almost a year from the date that we closed we, did, we were able to do our grand opening and wow. yeah. yeah and then it's also like crazy when it's like we do our grand opening it's like mm-hmm. oh my gosh I can't believe we've had this place a year already mm-hmm. you know that we're already in our second harvest is just insane <laughs> but you know time flies when you're having fun yeah right now I mean when you're own and run and a winery and a vineyard you are just shifting into like your most busy winemaking time Mm -hmm. right now right so do you think like through the next few months and winter and everything you're just gonna be focused on making wine and working on getting all of that stuff into whatever it needs to get into yeah the the goal for us is to have the bulk of winemaking done by thanksgiving and, then, and some of that is like getting the Nuovo done and, mm-hmm. and bottle. We, last year, we bottled uh, November 22nd and released it the 23rd, which was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I mean, like, we just got it done in time. I would like to maybe have a little bit more leeway this mm-hmm. year. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but then we can, like, hopefully take some time off in December. Mm-hmm. You know, I also, though, probably what will happen is I'll do most of my winemaking, get the bulk of it done, like I said, by Thanksgiving, and then December's going to be catching up on computer work. <laughs> I feel like this whole list of like, okay, I need to deep clean the house. The house is a disaster. Make sure everyone's got clothes for winter. Like, I'm realizing as it gets colder, it's like, my kids don't have any warm clothes. Just life maintenance. Yeah, life yeah. stuff. The other day, because this last week, we harvested all of our Merlot. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being five days straight of harvesting and then processing some of, well, processing all of it. So it ended up being like five days straight harvest. And then the nights we were processing, usually what happens is we pick all day and then we have dinner and hang out with the kids, put them to bed, and then we process our grapes after we put them to bed. And then we're up till like one o'clock at night and then get up the next day and harvest again. We were able to break up to where we were processing grapes every other day. So there was only like three nights that we were up till midnight, <laughs> one o'clock. Oh my gosh. Um, and then when we hit Sunday, we like, we're gonna sleep in and then we'll just finish it. 
Uh-huh. And we were picking till seven o'clock at night. And, wow. But we finished. But yeah, by like Sunday, I was like, I have no food in the house. Nothing. I need to at least go to the grocery store and get something. <laughs> I bought pizza. That's what we had. So nice. Hey, that works. That's works. Totally. So you don't have anybody who works for you at all? <laughs> no, wow. it's just, just us. Yeah. And it's, oh. it's worked out okay. Um, mm-hmm. Last year was a lot more manageable mm-hmm. with just the two of us. And we were able to get a lot of friends and stuff that came out and helped. And this year, I mean, we have more than twice as many grapes, <laughs> which adds, you know, more than twice <laughs> the work. work. <laughs> and then... Casey's schedule is really sucked at the hospital because mm-hmm. we could we'd only pick around the days he was off. Mm-hmm. Last year he was off a lot more weekends, and then of course it's easier to get help on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's been really challenging. And then we've had the tasting room open too. Right. So whenever we're open the tasting room, that pulls me away from mm-hmm. helping pick. And so actually starting last week, what we did on Wednesdays because we're only open Wednesday through Saturday, mm-hmm. we just decided to try to keep our family life work balance we had we could not be open seven days a week there's Mm -hmm. just no way especially with casey working a whole nother job yeah and so wednesdays and thursdays are pretty slow and so we put a sign on the door saying we're out harvesting i've got a cooler of wine out in the vineyard you're welcome to come out and have a tasting among the vines that sounds amazing like that sounds really fun yeah (laughs) it's like and it was like this last minute thing that Mm -hmm. i was like we're just gonna do this and there was like this super sunny hot day And so, and we had people that came and there nice. was two ladies that braved the heat and they're like, no, we want to stay in the vineyard. This is super cool. We've yeah. never been this close to vines and right. to grapes. And they were like all into it. And then the other people were like, no, I want air conditioning, which I totally <laughs> get. Totally get. So we were like, okay, we'll do a little bit better. This is a good idea for the week. Mm-hmm. We'll get like one of those canopy tents, bring a table mm-hmm. out, you know, have some shade. Yeah. It'll be fine. So I love we're, that idea. we're building. Yeah. No, I mean, I, what a out. good way to balance because like. That was going to be one of my questions for you, right? You have to figure out how to balance everything. When I got here, you're in there, you're punching down the grapes. You're like, I'm going to take these five minutes to just do this. So you have to be creative too with your time and and how you are balancing everything, right? Yes. And it's hard. I remember last winter, because winter is slow. And especially mm-hmm. last winter, you know, no one really knew about us. We did go ahead and starting in December because we had we had one wine and then I just did two guest wines mm-hmm. from other Colorado wineries, which I I would like to always have a guest wine because there's so many other great mm-hmm. wineries and I've received so much support support from the industry over the years. It's I want to give back. So we did we opened up on Saturdays last year. We're here anyways because we live mm-hmm. here and so we might as well try to be open and make some money. But then. This year, we don't know what to do. And then figuring out that balance, you know, we go through harvest and harvest is this like super intense time of work for us and it's super hard on our kids. You know, we we try really hard to involve them as much as possible, but I mean, last week was, they they we all hit a wall. Mm -hmm. Let's just be honest, we all hit a wall last week by the end of it. And so, then in the winter months though it's like all right things have slowed down especially for casey since the deal is is like i do the winemaking and run the tasting room and he does the vineyard work which is great because like i said i'm a wiss when it comes to weather so he's perfectly happy going out when it's like freezing and doing whatever he wants to do like that's good but the winter we try to like spend more time as a family and mm-hmm. go do stuff and mm-hmm. and even like 
my son had a really hard day the other day with how busy we were and I was like remember though like winter is coming you know things will slow down it'll be okay mm-hmm. and I remember last winter having all this time and I was like I feel like I should be doing something mm-hmm. we just started this business but we're only open one day a week and we have a good friend who's um owns a construction company mm-hmm. like a very successful one in town and he's I don't even know how long he's had it like a long time and so I told him, I was like, you know, all these people say when you start a business, you're working like 15 hours a day, seven days a week for the first five years. And, and he's like, those people are just full of BS. He's like, it might feel like that sometimes, but it's not. You'll just burn out if you do that. There's seasonality to your industry. Enjoy yeah. the downtime. Yeah. And then when harvest comes around again, remind your kids that downtime is coming mm-hmm. and take the time to spend with your family and enjoy it. And he's like, don't worry the busyness is coming. I was like, mm. okay. That's really good advice. It was really yeah. good because I was feeling anxious because right. everyone tells you like it's so much work and it is, yeah. but it is seasonal and when you can take the breaks, you got to take the breaks. Yeah, and take recharge. Advantage. Yeah. Right. Definitely prioritizing yourself too because like you said, you'll just burn out because there's so much to do mm-hmm. sometimes that, yeah, that's really good advice. Awesome. Well, I'm glad winter's coming. Yeah. <laughs> I know, so as much, like, harvest is a lot of fun, mm-hmm. even though it's a lot of work. It's also really exciting, and of course, it's, you know, it's seeing the fruit of your labor, labor yeah, like, really like literally. literally. <laughs> yeah. I was even joking with my husband, I was like, oh yeah, we, we turn water into wine just like Jesus. We just have a lot more steps than he had, <laughs> like, but it, it is, it's, like, super fulfilling. So as hard as it is physically, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, go to bed at the end of the day, try not to think about all the things I didn't get done. Yeah. And just be like, all right, just chill. And it'll, it all gets done somehow. Yeah. Like, it always does. It was important. Yeah. It does. So technically, we're outside Palisade here, and this is, you know, Palisade podcast. But I feel like if anybody who's on the Fruit and Wine Byway or part of the wine country, mm-hmm. it's, it's all part of Palisade, really. It's part yeah. of the Palisade vibe. So one of the questions that I ask everybody on the podcast is what's your favorite thing about Palisade or what's your favorite part of Palisade so I have to ask you that too yeah. what's your favorite thing about Palisade um so because I worked at near the Rockies for mm-hmm. six years and one of the things that I loved about working there is we didn't grow any of our own grapes we worked with several farmers like Talbots and Bookcliffe and Plum Creek sometimes too and so I, I loved I love the community, and I still do. The people, the farmers, there. There's just this whole like culture around agriculture that I just think is amazing, and it's so fascinating to me. Having grown up in Texas and in Amarillo, where it's a lot of agriculture, and then we actually lived in Dalhart for a little bit, which is this tiny town just northwest of Amarillo, where there's three industries: it's farming, the hospital, and the school. Everyone works at those three places. And agricultural people, no matter what they're growing, the culture is still the same. And so coming here and like being part of this farming community, it was like instantly like home. And I love that. And I love the cooperation between, you know, the majority of wineries are want to help each other and are, you know, into that the ship rises with the tide. You know, mm-hmm. all ships rise with the tide and like helping out everyone and there are some outliers, but of course that's in any industry, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I bought some fruit this year from Whitewater Hill. We got some muscat because our muscat, like we already sold out of it 
because it was so popular wow. and we That's don't awesome. grow very much of it so mm. they had some extra so i was like yeah i'll take it and then chloe their winemaker a day after we got the fruit she called and she's like hey like just want to make sure everything like went well you know the talbots got you the fruit okay because they were the ones delivering it and processing and everything went good. I was like, well, actually, we blew the bladder in our press while we were processing. <laughs> and she was like, oh, she's like, we'll just bring the fruit over here. We're going to finish up <laughs> pressing our Moscato a couple hours. Just bring the fruit over here and we'll help you press it. And I was Amazing. like, oh my gosh, yes, please. <laughs> like, thank you. Went over. She, I mean, it was her equipment, so she had to, but... <laughs> She helped press it, helped clean everything, stayed late, I'm sure, to help me out. And then even the next week, she like checked in and she was like, hey, were you able to get a replacement for your bladder, for your press? You know, it's just like that that community. And even like we, we still needed to bottle the last of our red and again, like having issues getting glass. And so I was like, hey, you guys have some extra bottles? And they're like, oh yeah, just like when you get your glass in, replace it and picked up 60 cases of glass so I could bottle glass. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's that kind of neighbor teamwork totally. thing. In one sense, we're competition, mm-hmm. but I always view it as like a friendly competition. They send people my way all the time. I tell people to go over there all the time. Absolutely. You know, and especially for the, the wineries that are on this side of the valley, mm-hmm. like we kind of got to help each other out, right. you know, because right. we're kind of isolated. Yeah. Com- Relative. I mean, I always think it's silly when we live in Grand Junction and I'm like, hey, like, talking to some friends, we're like, hey, we want to go to Peach Street Distillery. And they're like, oh, it's all the way in Palisade. <laughs> it's so far away. I'm oh my like, God, I do that. I do that though already <laughs> with like Grand Junction and Fruita. So I know it's really silly, but. Yeah, I was yeah. like, it's like 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> you can drive that minutes. far. It's okay. I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a half an hour away. It took me 10 minutes to get yeah. here. <laughs> It's just like mentally far, but it's not far no. at all. No, it's not. And I guess some of it's just perspective. Growing up in Amarillo, we lived outside of town. Mm-hmm. And so it was 20 minutes to town. And when you're used to that, like driving from Fruita to Palisades, eh, no big deal. Like, right. I'll do it. I'll go bike in Fruita and then have a drink in Palisade. Totally <laughs> fine. Yeah. I guess the other thing that we're doing that I'm really excited about is having our chickens and our sheep and adding some like biodiversity to the land. I was actually, I was listening to your podcast with, excuse me, with Scott over at Field of Fork Mm -hmm. and explaining like the whole biodiversity and biodynamic farming. And I I love Scott, like listening to him is is great. He's such a great guy. I was like, huh, I learned a lot listening Mm -hmm. to it too. But for us, so we started, we wanted to get the chickens just because My husband, I don't know, he's got a thing for birds. I'm not a bird fan, but he likes birds. (laughs) And the sheep I really wanted, because I think it's just cool that you can run sheep in your vineyard, and they help with weeds, so you don't have to spray for weeds. That's awesome. And they Mm -hmm. even help, if you train your vines at the right height, they'll Mm -hmm. trim off the leaves, but they don't eat the grapes, at least so far. I mean, we pulled them them out before the grapes were ripe. Just in case. Yeah, just to make (laughs) sure. And so they, they actually save us a lot of work. That's really I think that's cool. really cool. Very and cool. when we had bees back in Texas, we learned a lot about about bees. And my husband's the type when he 
gets into something like he like researches and does all the studying which is great because then i don't have to so when we got bees like he was like, learning about the how terrible monocrop is for yeah. bees and how bees really reflect the health of the land and how biodiversity for land is really important mm -hmm. and so when we started the vineyard we we're like okay how can we add biodiversity we can't rotate mm -hmm. crops mm -hmm. So having animals helps, and then doing cover crops. So we planted clover in the vineyard, and mm -hmm. we're trying to get that to take off. And, you know, things like that. It's like, I don't know that we'll ever actually go for a biodynamic certification. Mm -hmm. Like, right now, we just need to learn how to grow things. <laughs> but I just think that the whole concept behind it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Just on a, I don't know intuition level you yeah. know like i don't know all the ins and outs like scott does it's like that's why listening to that was fascinating yeah and it there's was. so much to learn about it but it's like well if it makes sense then we should just do it and right. then we'll figure out the details later so totally and something like having sheep prevent you from having to spray pesticides and things like that like that is amazing that's a no-brainer yeah good all around saves money, saves time, saves spraying pesticides everywhere. My husband was researching about spraying and like all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and about how like Roundup is used everywhere and it is very bad Can for... I'll move over so he doesn't want to get in here. He's a very sweet dog. He like, is he, a very sweet he dog. He came out to me and went, oh my gosh, look at those eyeballs. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so if you look at our reviews, yeah. they talk more about him than our they, I noticed that. They're like, Whiskey the dog is amazing, and the stories are amazing, and the wine's amazing. Yeah. And it's like great family-friendly or family atmosphere. Yeah. But it... So he was he was researching about Roundup and how they've already outlawed it in Europe. And he's like, you know, it's just a matter of time before they do that here. We already didn't want to spray it. Vines are very sensitive to it. Anyways. And we also have kids, and we have animals. Right. It's eventually probably going to be outlawed here, mm -hmm. you know, banned here. We might as well start practicing and making just good, good practices start out that way. Right. So you're not dependent on it. Find us on Instagram and Facebook, Mafia Princess Wines, and our website is mafiaprincesswines.com. So it's, it's consistent across the board. That name was not taken by anything. And so it worked out well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and like I said, the taste rooms open Wednesday through Saturday. That may change with winter. We still have not figured out what we're doing this winter. Um, we are kicking around the idea of doing like a cigar and wine night. Or maybe okay. like Thursday or Friday evenings. Sit out on the patio, have a cigar with your wine. Well, so I'm looking forward to hearing about the events and just seeing how you guys grow. And I'm really excited to taste the new wine that you their new red you have coming out so yeah um, we'll definitely come back and check that out cool thank you so much for your time yeah thank you too. this is awesome it's really cool hearing your story and just everything you're doing it's exciting thanks i appreciate it it's been quite the journey check out mafia princess wines at 221 31 and 3 tenths road technically that's in grand junction but you know palisade adjacent and try some of these awesome wines for yourself and before we go how about a little more from those adorable sound checkers? Nya-nya! Did it say nya-nya? It did, right there. Nya-nya. <laughs> nya-nya! <laughs> Are you...
you growling into the microphone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No. No growling in the microphone. <laughs> no growls allowed. Okay, that looks I good. think Dad's going to have you guys help him. Whoa. <laughs> it did. That's what that noise is right there. Thanks for listening. With love from Palisade.